It's really, really fantastic to be here this morning and uh, just really enjoyed the worship. So thank you so much, worship band. It was just really lovely and relaxing and refreshing. Thank you, Becky and worship band. It's so amazing just to come into the presence of the Lord, is it not? I want to, first of all, uh, bring greetings to you from Light and Life in Dundonald. You've probably never heard of Dundonald before, uh, but we're about sort of four miles um, outside of Belfast. And uh, we're also called Light and Life, but we don't use the and, we just use an N. So it makes it easier for us to say in Northern Ireland. Uh, should I say this morning that I haven't got an interpreter with me this morning? So <laughs> if you can't uh, make out what I'm saying, um, or if I speak too quickly, you just got to listen a wee bit more quickly or think a wee bit more quickly. So hopefully you'll get the accent and... Uh, Really, really sense God's got a word for us this morning. So I want to thank you for my young PA, wherever she is, but back there, Laura. Hi, Laura, uh, for doing PowerPoint for me. Really appreciate that. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Amen? How many of us are open to having minister to us this morning? Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We thank you, Lord, that you know every person here. You know their hearts. You know their DNA, you know their concerns, you know their love for you, you know their struggles, their fears, burdens, hurts. You, you know them, Lord, because you're God. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, this morning you'd minister into every heart, that nobody will leave this morning untouched by your Spirit. Amen. Praise God. If you have a Bible, or you've got your Bible up, and you want to turn, first of all, to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to read from um, verse 13 into chapter 4, just to give us a bit of um, gist of what it's all about. So chapter 3, reading from verse 13. Can everybody make out the accent? No need for interpreters? (laughs) Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If 
you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up to, or sorry, up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. This is a passage that has really, really ministered into my heart and the life of our church in Dundonald over the last couple of months. And I must say, this word that the Lord has really, really lit in my heart has been a life changer. And if you want a title for the message this morning, it would be this, Free to be me. Free to be me. That you're fathered this morning by your Heavenly Father to be free to be who all God created you to be. You are unique this morning. There's not one of us the same. And so I want to address this whole, this whole thought of fatherhood. I don't know if you were brought up the way I was where you, your parents would have perhaps have warned you or perhaps teachers, whoever would have warned you that God's watching you wherever you are. And, you know, if you do something wrong, God's going to catch you. You are going to be caught. Remember that you may be a way out with your friends or with your mates, but remember, God's got his eye on you. And somehow, I was brought up with this sort of fear of the Father, that the Father was this harsh, harsh God, that he was always waiting to pounce on me and catch me out. If you experienced that, or am I the only one here? Or he was um, a god that was standing with a big stick in his hand, and he was ready to beat me up. Or perhaps he was trying to catch me out uh, and making mistakes, or making mistakes in my life, and that I was totally condemned and out of his favour. Also, perhaps some of you here this morning, like me, who can say we love the Lord, uh, we love God, we love Jesus, but somehow the word Father is a stumbling block. And that the Father is um, something beyond what I can actually receive and understand in my life and heart. That the Father is a, a God who's away up there in the heavens and he's far, far away. And he's unreachable. Do you know what the, the, the devil try, is trying to do today, and we can see it in our world, is to create a fatherless generation. Where many kids and many of you and I, grown up, have not known the fullness of a father's love. Now, I was blessed to have a godly father. But my father was not perfect. And there's nobody here this morning can say that my father was absolutely perfect. And even when we've had a good father, sometimes we feel that to really to enter into that father-daughter-son relationship with God, 
that it's sort of like a disloyalty to our, our heavenly, you know, to our earthly father, biological father. So this whole thing has been on my heart for so long that the enemy is trying to strip his church of knowing who they are. And if they do not know who they are in relationship to the Father, then they're not free to be me. How many of you know that the Father wants you to be free to be you this morning? So this scripture is just packed with it. And I really, really believe that the devil here in tempting Jesus in the wilderness was trying to strip Jesus of his fatherhood. And he was trying to create an orphan spirit in the Son of God. In Romans 8 verse 15 we read that you and I, we did not receive the spirit of bondage again or the spirit of an orphan without a father or abandoned by a father. But you received what? The spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba Father. How many of you know that an adopted child is a wanted child? And you're wanted children of God this morning. You're selected, chosen before time began. So what happens very often is because many of us have this flawed conception of fatherhood based on our own personal experience of how we related with our biological father or no father, that somehow that does affect you and me spiritually and we're not free to be me. Listen, if the devil tried this strategy with Jesus, he will do exactly the same to you and to me. So, in the scripture, Jesus, the backcloth is, he's, he's been baptized in the River Jordan. The Holy Spirit has come. There's the affirmation from heaven. There is the witness, the, tri, the triune God is present. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus just immerse from the water, immediately, right away, the Father speaks for everybody to hear. But most of all, for his son to hear. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And you know, the Father says the same to you this morning and to me. So this was an amazing moment for Jesus. But immediately... The, the enemy of his soul, of your soul, of mine, comes in with this presumption. And he uses this word, if. If, if. How many of you have heard that word spoken over your life as a Christian? If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. If you really loved me. You know, if you, if you were a good husband, you, you would do the dishes. You don't really love me. If, if, if. And the devil uses that. Now remember that at this stage, Jesus has come out of 30 years, have been hidden, except for when he was 12 years old and when he was born. Jesus has not performed any ministry yet. He hasn't healed anybody, he hasn't raised the dead, he hasn't cleansed the leper. So he's stepping out into the fullness of his ministry. And I believe this morning, church, that unless you and I have got this issue dealt with in our lives and hearts, that we cannot enter fully into the flow of the fullness of life God has for you, in your home, your family, your business, in your ministry. This is key for you to be free to be me. Immediately, the devil comes and says, if you are the son of God. Now notice, the devil does not mention that, that you're beloved. 
to see his tactics. He doesn't use the words that you're pleased to the Father. And how often he does that with you and me. He was basically saying to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, left out the affirmation of love, the affirmation that God was pleased and proud with his Son. I mean, I could just imagine the Father just in the glory of heaven and just bursting with pride and joy at his beloved Son, just like some of you mums and dads. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So what was the devil doing here? He was challenging the identity of Jesus Christ. He was trying to weaken his faith. He was trying to cause Jesus to to, to strip him of the words beloved and well-placed. And he uses the same strategies with you and me. The devil's always out to steal your blessing. Do you know that? And often he's out to steal your identity and my identity of who you and I are in Christ Jesus. To doubt the word, to doubt the promises of God, to doubt that you're loved. So the plot, I believe, was the devil was out to orphan Jesus. And he uses the presumption, the tactics of presumption. Remember at this stage, Jesus is weak. He's been 40 days and nights without food. How many of you know that's when the enemy comes to you and me, when we're at our weakest time? Always. When you're not well... When you have problems in the home, children. And we have exactly the same thing happening here with Jesus. He's weak. So the father has affirmed his son. And listen, it was a a declaration. And how many of you parents realize the need to affirm your children? That you love them. And I was brought up with parents who I knew loved me. They were godly parents. But they could never say the words, I love you. Anybody else experienced that in your upbringing? Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. They, they can, it's different now. It's great today because parents will say, love you, love you loads and love you lots and fantastic. We'll send text messages, love you loads, etc. But I never actually heard those words. I remember the last words I spoke to my mum before she died on the phone. We were in America at the Free Methodist Conference and um, she, was, she wasn't well at all. And uh, she, I just said to her on the phone, mum, I love you. And she replied, the feeling is reciprocated. (laughs) So you see where I'm coming from. I knew my mom and dad love you. But you know what? We need to tell people they're, they're precious. We need to affirm people. We need to let them know that they're loved, that they're accepted. Because if they don't receive those words of affirmation and pleasure from you, they're going to look for it somewhere else. So... Here we have the devil out to strip Jesus of his identity, of his validation of who he is in the Father. One we point out here, before we travel on, is, I don't know what your father, biological fatherhood was, if you knew your father, it doesn't really matter. Because listen to this. The Bible says that before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were conceived, the father said, I knew you before. So who is your first father? The father. So that overrides all the dysfunctional experiences that many of us have in our fatherless generation today. That you were fathered, first of all, by the father. 
before you were in the womb. I really sense there's somebody here this morning who needs to hear that. There's a young man here really sense you need to hear that. That I fathered you before you were biologically fathered. Such is his amazing love for you and for me. So here we have Jesus and the devil has got a strategy and how many of you know he's got the same strategies? And he, what he, he, he tried on with Jesus, he'll do the same with you and me. First of all, he hits the performance. In fact, the performance presumption is throughout all the temptations, but we'll just hit it here. He said, if you are the son of God, remember he didn't say, not if you're the son of Mary. He said, if you're the son of God. The challenge is always over the spiritual, the divine conception with Jesus. If you're the son of God. Then he says, um, you know, if you're the son of God, command these stones that they become bread. Now, a stone is a counterfeit of bread. And Jesus, he could have turned the stones into bread because he's a bread of life. Because he fed the multitudes who were hungry, the 5,000, the 4,000. He could have done that. But the devil will always offer you and me something that is not the real thing. Always. The counterfeit. And I have no doubt that throughout Jesus' young life, because of his, the divine conception, I would imagine that throughout his life, remember Jesus was a young lad, we know at 12 years old, he knew who he was, he was about his father's business, but the teenage years in between, they're silent. And I have no doubt as he was growing up, there was some taunting going on. Who's your dad, Jesus? My mom says that Joseph's not your dad. Or my mom, my mom says that you know that you were born before they were married. So Jesus can identify with you and me when the devil comes with his strategies to to really deflate you, to bring you down, to orphan you, that you're not free to be me. On the Mount of Transfiguration as well, in Matthew chapter 17, we have again, the, 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 the enemy subtly, Peter is coming under that strategy of the enemy. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know the scene where, where Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus and uh, there was the, the amazing glory and so on. And there's Peter is overawed by the whole thing. Peter, James and John up the mountain. And, and Peter overawed, he says, oh wow, wow, this is awesome. You know, let us build here three booths. One for you, Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. In other words, in many ways, he was stripping him of his uniqueness that he was the Son of God. And that's the strategy for the enemy with you and me, to strip you and me of our uniqueness, our preciousness, the beauty that you and I are fathered by Father. And he's created you and me to be free to be me. But the Father, again, he affirms his Son from heaven. The Father is not, the Father is so perfect, absolutely perfect. He's able to speak the words, this is my beloved son. Get it. He didn't say this is my beloved Elijah. He didn't say this is my beloved Moses. He said this is my beloved son. He said hear him. Listen to him. Listen to what he has to say. So here was God again. Father God was endorsing uh, the fact that Jesus was not to be rejected. His word, what he says, was not to be rejected. Listen to what he has to say. Now, when you and I come under this strategy of the enemy, trying to strip us of who we are 
in the Father. Remember, Jesus is our spiritual Father. There can be something missing in our, our hearts, like a vacuum, because we haven't fully received the Father's love and favor. And that creates an orphan spirit where there's no validation of who you are, where there's no affirmation of who you are, and it can create a, a vacuum of insecurity where there's lack of confidence. And I'm speaking for somebody who's gone this journey and I've always struggled with, with not being confident enough. And I taught children for many, many years, so it, it didn't make sense. But Jesus is our spiritual father. Jesus said in John 14, talking about the Holy Spirit, he said, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. So here we have the devil. He comes and he challenges Jesus with the stones of bread. Perform a miracle. In other words, Jesus put on a performance. What he's doing, he's perverting the word of God. The devil will always twist. He will always pervert the word of God. And what's he doing here? He's trying to get Jesus to work outside the Father's will. What for? To so that Jesus is ill-favored by the Father. That the Father is unpleased, no such word, displeased with Jesus. So anybody who is not fully knowing in their heart and their spirit who they are in Christ Jesus, they will develop this sort of Orphan spirit, that's an independent spirit. And driven by a very strong work ethic. You know, make these stones bread. You work at it, you do it. In other words, that you and I have to perform, we have to work at it, we have to do it to please the Father. To be affirmed by the Father. And with that comes a, a life of striving for favor with people. Of striving for favor with God. And work, 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 work. That if I'm busy, if I'm working then I'm pleasing the Father. But I'm not free to be me. Now, personally, I can say I've struggled with this for years. The work ethic. Many of you are from families where there's been a very strong work ethic. And you sort of have inherited that. But, you know, we, we just don't need to do anything. I mean, if I wasn't doing one more thing in ministry, I would still be favored and loved by the Father. We don't need to strive. We don't need to work at it. So, make these stones bread. Jesus could have, as I said a moment ago, but Jesus also knew what the devil was up to because later on we read how Jesus uh, talked about the devil as being a father. He, He spoke to the religious leaders. You are of your father the devil. So Jesus was affirming it, that the devil wants to father many Masses today are fathered by the devil. They're enslaved. They're bound by the devil. Their their lives, they're they're lost. There's a lost generation of young people out there. And the Father's heart's crying for them. And I believe, church, in these last days, this has to be sorted with every one of us. Because I believe that Jesus is coming back and he's he's calling the prodigal church back to the Father's heart. You and me. Galatians 4, verse 5. Now, God, he sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That you and I are adopted. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer bondage to works. We don't need to work at it. We don't need to try and impress anybody. Just be free to be me. 
You know, there's such freedom in that. I'm only coming into this now. It's been a life journey for me. So, Jesus had spoken to the religious leaders and said, you're of the father of the devil. So, Jesus was later on putting that, that title on the devil. And you remember as well how Paul, I think it's last chapter 19, how he spoke to Elimus the sorcerer. And he said, you son of the devil. The devil has sons and daughters. But you're a child of God. I trust that everybody here this morning is a child of God. And if not, you can be before the end of the service. The key scripture, if you really want a key scripture, this whole thing, is the orphan cry of the cross. Jesus totally identified with that orphan spirit on the cross. On the cross, he cried, Eli, Eli, Labachathasani, my God or my Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? I mean, can you imagine that cry piercing the darkness and heaven is silent? And Jesus was entering into that sphere, that, that place of total abandonment of what it's like for a man or a woman to be cut off from God forever. He took that for you and for me. That sense of being totally... This is the son who the father was well pleased with and the father was who loved the, he loved his son. And now at the moment that he, he needs him most, heaven is silent. But that was for you and me, that vacuum of time, that voice, that cry is still crying today and drawing orphans back to the Father's heart. He also heard the voices around the cross using the same language, the if presumption. If, if you're the Christ, save yourself. If you're the Christ, throw yourself down. Up to his last dying breath, Jesus experienced this. And it's the same with you and me. And it's the cry of the orphan today. Daddy, why did you leave me? Daddy, why did I never know you? Daddy, why did I, you abandon me? But the good news is this morning, you were fathered by the father before your biological birth. And you can know who you are and secure in the father's love. Jesus broke that curse on the cross. So you and I can be totally accepted and free. He reinstated sonship on the cross. Hallelujah. Number two, the enemy then tried to challenge his position. Matthew 4, verse 5, the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Right, where is that? That's church. Hello? He was set up in a high position in church. He was, you know, like you and me were given a ministry, responsibility, given position. And how many of you know that in that position, when you're elevated, when you're raised up, given responsibility, given ministry, whatever it should be, in your home family, the enemies are to throw you down. He did it. Throw yourself down, Jesus, from the highest point of church, the center of worship on earth, Jerusalem, the temple. Throw yourself down. In other words, throw yourself down. Hurt yourself. And many of you know that the biggest hurts happen in church. And you have people who leave church, and what do they say? Well, I was hurt in church. But yet, they're hurt in their job, but they don't leave their job. 
threw yourself down, hurt yourself, destroy yourself. And that's why you and I need to be very careful that we don't try and elevate ourselves. The devil here was trying to coax irresponsible behavior, trying to elevate him to the highest place that he would fall down. Throw yourself down. I, I don't know about you, but at home in Northern Ireland, you know, with the troubles of years, we've had a lot of people come out of, you know, paramilitarism. They've been in prison. And there, was, there were several years of these guys coming out of prison with the most amazing testimonies because they had found Christ in prison that had real life transformation experience. But what happened was, as soon as they got out, because they had such an amazing testimony, that all of a sudden they were given all these platforms all over the country. They were elevated. They were highly acclaimed. You know, they were promoted. And many of them fell because they weren't ready for that place. They, they had not that character refinement. And they were rushing into something before the time of the Father. So the devil here is trying to get Jesus to act independently to cause displeasure of the Father. But Jesus knew what it was to be free to be me. Absolutely free. He who the Son sets free is free what? Some people forget the indeed, don't they? You are free indeed, without a doubt. Every one of us, if you know Jesus. Jesus is your spiritual father and you are free indeed to be me. To be who God created you uniquely. Nobody else has got your DNA. Your spiritual DNA, yes, we're children of God, but you are unique. So the devil assumes here to strip Jesus of the Father's love to act outside his authority. Each time the devil didn't ask Jesus to do anything he couldn't do. Jesus could have done it. No problem. What, what basically the devil was saying here is, you know what, the suffering you're going through in this wilderness season, you're hungry, you know, this suffering, you don't need to go through this. You don't, you don't need to, to go through this. If you serve me, then we can bypass the suffering. And many of you have experienced that in your lives. The suffering is hard, the refinement, the purifying, the sanctification, the process that hurts when the Holy Spirit starts to un, unpeel the onion, gets the core roots and there's tears. And we don't like it. And we try to escape that. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit's the heart of heaven and he doesn't let us go on it? So you and I have got to be very careful that we don't seek to be on a platform or seek position, should it be in church or our jobs or wherever it should be, unless the Father has called us to it. I don't know about here in England, but in Northern Ireland, there are so many lone wolves in ministry. They're not accountable to anybody. They're out there, they're let loose. And they can come into churches, they've got the platform, they've got the position, and they're just let loose on sheep, and they just maul them and destroy them with false prophecies, with words that are destructive, people believing a lie. Now, we've had some of the craziest ones. You know, we have, have had people coming to us, you know, 
asking us for the interpretation of a, a word they got in, in some of these, with one of these lone wolves. Like one of the girls some couple of years ago came to us with, uh, she said, oh, I, I got this word, she said, through the week at this meeting. I was part of the glory and all this. And she said, the word was this. And they walked around me and they sang around me, London Bridge is falling down. What's the interpretation of that? I thought, you know what? <laughs> yeah, just, just a way off the wall. London Bridge is falling down. But that's what the devil wants to do with every one of us, to cause us to fall down. The problem is that when you and I are positioned or on a platform before our character is refined, what happens then if the orphan spirit is there, that we, we feed on the applause, we enjoy it. Because it, it fills that vacuum in our heart that the Holy Spirit wants to fill with the Father's love for you to be free to be me. You see, that, that power, that, 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 that spirit, it strives for it to be performing. I need to be performing to be worth any value to the kingdom. I have to perform. And I need to have fame. I need to have applause. I need to have recognition. I need to have admiration. I need to accomplish this all for God. I'm doing it for God. Glory to God. May God get all the glory and honor. I mean, I've heard that so many times in prayer meetings. I mean, somebody will start and pray. I hear this a lot. Uh, well, one person, so you don't know who I'm talking about. And all you get in the prayer is all they've done. This man prays, you know, and I thank you that through the week, it's like, you know, you, you get the history of his last few years of his life. And then after he's boasted of all the wonderful things he's done and how amazing God's using him, then at the, the end of it all, he says, oh, all the glory be to God. No, the, all the glory has gone to you. An orphan spirit. Feeding on accomplishment. Also, the, the, the other danger is as well that and Laura, who's back there, has, she had a powerful testimony she shared with us a few weeks ago. She had really good parents, has really good parents, not, not Christians. But because she was the only girl amongst all the brothers, they looked upon her as a little princess. She really believed her name was Princess. She really did. So if you call her a princess, it's okay, she understands you. But she really believed she was a princess. They really believed she was perfect. And so when she started to come under the the Holy Spirit's refining process over this whole uh, thing of fatherhood, she realized that, you know what, I'm a high achiever, and a high achiever in school, very, you know, A star plus young lady throughout her grammar school days and university days. But she was always striving because she felt that God was always assessing her because her parents were perfect. So that meant she had to strive for the Father's favor to be perfect. And he was always assessing or getting, well, that's a sort of a B plus. That's a, mm, yeah, give you an A minus there. And so he was a great assessor. But, it, I mean, it's totally changed her life. She's not free to be me. She knows who she is in, in the Father. Jesus, he, he spoke the words. He said, you should not tempt the Lord your God, verse 7. In other words, we don't pervert the word to suit our soulish purposes. And that's what happens today. We, we see so much of that on Christian channels of, uh, you know, prosperity teachers who are manipulating men and women. Sow your seed to feed my greed. And we've got to be discerning. So, nearly through, our identity is not defined by our performance. 
It's not defined by our position or platform, whatever, or your title. Yeah, not right, Laura? The title. We have to have a title to be somebody. And many people strive to, you know, an education. Maybe that's not what God's calling to. Maybe to do a degree or a master's degree or whatever. I want a title. Because I'll get my affirmation, my validation from the title. The Father says, look, I just want you to be free to be me. Let me work through you. And finally, the power. In verse 8, the devil took him up on a very high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world. I said, I'm going to give you all this. Just look at this glory. Look at it. I'm going to give you it if you bow down and worship me. What was the devil said? I'm going to give you it now. Right now. Now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to go through the cross. I'm going to give you it all now. So again, Again, the devil's strategy is to, to permit Jesus to, to do this w- without the authorization of the Father, without coming under authority. And that's a big thing today. The spirit of rebellion and, and witchcraft not coming under authority. Jezebel spirits. So what was the devil doing here? His strategy was to divert suffering and the Father's timing. So the orphan spirit is... You will recognize it, and I recognize it. When we have this, this desire for the easy way out, the easy way to the top, the easy way to success, the easy way to accomplishment, to be recognized, to be in the place of power, and that I can avoid all the refining, the character refinement, the sanctifying process of the Holy Spirit. I'll go in the fast lane and achieve this. And I will overtake all other people. And I will do anything I can do to get there. And it doesn't matter who I walk over, I'm going to get there. Jesus had been promised the kingdoms of the world by the Father. Psalm 2, verse 8. You know, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. He said, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. The uttermost ends of the earth for your possession. So the Father had it there for Jesus. And he's got something for you and me there. There's a great future for you. There's a great future for me. Got an amazing destiny. You're to be free to be me and to know that fantastic, awesome love of the Father, the security of the Father, the affirmation of the Father, the love of the Father, the grace of the Father. But the devil will try and cause you to think you can get what you're aiming for, your dream now. You can have your dream now. I've been ministering in, in Light and Life Dundal now for, well, 16 years. And I'm still dreaming. But I can't fast track that. I can't push that. It has to be the Holy Spirit does the work. But perhaps God's waiting for me. That all this stuff had to be dealt with in my life. Many, listen, children of God, lovely children of God, are stripped of their inheritance in the Father, their destiny, because they've been pedestalized by a man or they've put themselves there, striving for power, position, prestige. What did Jesus do? He resisted that false identity threat from the enemy. 
strip him of his sonship. You see, I believe the devil thought if, you see, remember, the devil had shared, remember he was Lucifer in heaven. He knew the relationship with Jesus and the Father. Jesus shared the bosom of the Father before the beginning of time. And the devil saw that and when he rebelled against God and he was chucked out of heaven and a third of the angels with him. He knew all about the open heaven. This open heaven was the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. The devil, he experienced that, but his open heaven was to be kicked out of it. So he was coveting to father the Son of God. And that would be the biggest kick, the biggest blow against God himself. So what's the devil doing? He's isolating the single promises of God and tempting him to cast his whole life on it. We've got to be careful with that. that we don't just pick a, a scripture out and we think, okay, you know, this is the word, and, and I'm taking this, I'm going to cast my whole destiny, my whole future on this one word. We've got to have the full counsel of God, the full word of God. And we can never bypass the cross. Jesus didn't. Another do you and I. Finally, Jesus overcame the devil by proclaiming the truth. And so that's the way you and I can do it. He proclaimed the word of God. He proclaimed what the Father said. He proclaimed the word. He spoke it. And you and I got to proclaim who you are in Christ. Got to proclaim your destiny in Christ. And then Jesus as well, he was then in the presence of the angels. In verse 11, we read, the devil left him. He stood against him, resisted him. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Away with you, Satan. Then the devil left him. Behold, angels came and ministered to him. And here he is, now in the presence. The angels had experienced with the Father before the beginning of time in the presence of God. And that's where you and I get our affirmation. Proclaiming what God has said about you, who you are, what you're going to be, and the amazing future he has for you and for me. You know, I was just reading there about the Oriental customs with adoption. And apparently um, the Oriental custom was that if, if a father was adopting a son, the son had no legal right and couldn't call the father, Father Abba, until all the documents were signed and sealed. But once all the uh, legislation had, had, had been done, once that was all through, then the adopted child was presented to the father. And for the first time, that child could cry out, Abba, Father. Totally belonging, totally accepted. And you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit sent to you me this morning. Listen, for everybody here, you're free to be me. I've sealed the papers for you. I've sealed the papers. You can cry out, Abba, Father. You're no longer an orphan. You're a child of God. When we were and this is me finished, when we were um, sharing this word, it said, you know, seven weeks we've been on this, so there's so much to it, I could be here all day sharing it. But, without, I'm not going to mention any names, but we, we had, a, you know, a, an appeal. People came forward for prayer. And there was one girl came forward, and she just broke at, at the, the altar, absolutely broke. She was crying, she was shaking, she was you know, girls, you know the mascara? That moment, you know, the mascara is running and her face was just covered with black mascara and we went to pray with her and really felt the Holy Spirit saying you know, speak it out Abba Father, 
Speak it. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Speak it. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. Speak it out. Abba, Father. No, I can't. I can't do it. She's in an awful state. But we knew that the vi- she had to speak it out to get victory over this. And she did finally. It just was like a wee baby. The first words of the baby uh, to the father in that culture is Ab. Ab. Abba. And it just came out. Ab. She was crying. She was in awful. Abba. Abba. Just Abba. She kept saying Abba. Abba. Like I was ready to melt at this. Because we've been on a long journey with this girl. Abba. And then she starts saying Abba Father. Abba Father. Abba Father. Abba Father. Talking to her afterwards. She, she just said, I could never ever speak those words to God. Because when I spoke the word Father to God, it just conjured up horror, guilt, shame, and pain to me. Because my conception of Father God was related to my shameful Father's relationship. Listen this morning. She's free to be me. She's free to be me.